0: Please remain standing as you're able. We continue Abram's journey in chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your sister? Why did you say uh, that she was your sister, not tell me she was your wife, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I thought Scott Herod hit it right on the head last week when I asked him if he thought journey was an appropriate metaphor for the life of faith. You may remember his response. He said, journey is the metaphor for the life of faith. And it would be hard to disagree with him biblically. Most every character in the Bible of significance from Abram all the way to the Apostle Paul finds themselves on a journey, usually from the known to the unknown. We are a people on a journey. Jesus seemed to cement this when he tried to comfort his disciples in the 14th chapter of John. And he told them, I am the way. I'm the path. I am the journey is what he was saying to them. So I'd like to talk with you a little bit about journey today because we're going to be talking about journey during Lent. So as part of a truth in advertising, I'm going to tell you what journey really looks like and tell you the truth about it today. The first part of the truth I would tell you is this that a biblical journey and our own faith journeys will rarely be straight. They'll rarely be straight. This is a map quest uh, taking me to a meeting a few weeks ago, and they found the straightest line possible for me to get from where I was to Luke 1604. But that's not how the people of God got from Egypt in the Exodus all the way to the Promised Land, the Holy Land. Their map would have looked something like this, a bunch of circles, if you turn in your Bible and find the root of the Exodus, it was anything but a straight line. Rarely will our paths in the faith journey be straight. Secondly, I would tell you this, they'll rarely be smooth. Not only will our faith journey not be very straight, it won't be smooth either. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that perhaps the most uh, uh, distinguishing uh, physical feature of the Holy Land is this. Just a large number of rocks. Everywhere you go, whether you're in the desert or the plains, Israel is covered with rocks. And you can hardly take a step without hitting your foot on one of them. The roads in Israel, especially in the days of Jesus, were always rocky. They were never smooth. And our faith roads will not be smooth either. Abram courageously picks up, last, as we found out last week, and heads on a journey But immediately into his journey, he doesn't find it's very easy. He runs into famine right away. Jesus begins his baptism uh, journey, excuse me, his journey with his baptism, and immediately he runs into Satan and the temptations, and then later runs into opposition even from the most religious of people. His journey is not without difficulty. It's not without opposition. The same will be true when the people of Israel are called out of slavery in Egypt through the exodus to the promised land, they find that the promised land is already occupied. It will not be an easy journey. So I want you to know when you get ready to journey with God in faith, your journey will never be straight and it will never be smooth. So this is what you need to understand. You will be tempted to leave that journey and take a different one. You will, be lift, you will be tempted to get off the unknown path that God has had you on and take a shortcut or a detour that makes more sense to you. This is graphically illustrated every day in Israel. Uh, when you see shepherds out with their sheep in, in the uh, mountainous uh, desert area, uh, you'll see that, that they'll be up in the mountains and they'll be within 15, 20, 25 feet or so, Most of the sheep stay in pretty close to the shepherd. And then you'll look 50 yards below and you'll find the goats. One thing that's distinguishing about the goats in uh, Israel is the goats always know a better way than the shepherd. So they rarely go where the shepherd leads. They go and meander on their own path. And then if they're lucky enough, they'll hook back up with their shepherd. And that's a picture of the people in the Bible. God has them on a path, says, I'm your shepherd. But they look at that path, and it looks difficult. And it doesn't always make sense. So the goats say to themselves, I know a better way. There's a shortcut here. We can get what we want. We can figure it out. And off the goats go. It's why in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about in the end of time, the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. Trust me, it won't be hard to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat because they won't need to be separated. The goats are already going to be separated. They're already going to be going their own direction. And you'll be tempted to do that. We're all tempted when the faith journey isn't very straight and when it's not very smooth. And what I'd like to do this morning is just use Egypt as a metaphor for the temptation to find an easier and a better known route, Because this is what happens. Abraham starts to get hungry. There's famine in the lamb. And so rather than stay where God is moving him, he says, I'll go to Egypt. There's food there. And he takes his wife and his possessions and he heads to Egypt. It's interesting in the scripture how often Egypt turns out as a good alternative, or seemingly good alternative, what God has in mind. A few chapters later, in chapter 16, Abram and his wife Sarai are waiting for this promised baby because Abram is supposed to be a father of many nations. baby doesn't come. So Abram does what is ethically right and legally right and, uh, in his day, and that is he takes this Egyptian slave girl, that I guess he picked up when he was in Egypt, Hagar, and says, I'll make her my wife. We won't have to wait any longer for a child. We'll have a child this way. It was another route. It was a known route. It was a route that made sense, and so he took it. When the people escape from Egypt in the Exodus, immediately God leads them smack to the Red Sea, and they have the Red Sea in front of them, and they've got the Pharaoh soldiers behind them. And what they do is they say, let's go back to Egypt. In Genesis, uh, excuse me, in Exodus 16, after they've left the Red Sea, they get a little bit hungry and they immediately say, let's go back to Egypt. We know what's there. In uh, Exodus 17, they get thirsty and they say, let's go back to Egypt. There's water there. In Numbers, the 14th chapter, they're just on the verge of the promised land for which they've been waiting 450 plus years. And they're, they're just about there. So they send spies and the spies say, wow, it's a great country, flowing with milk and honey, which just means you can raise cattle and sheep, but you could also farm. Uh, you could do both. And, but the problem, said the spies, is they're fortified cities. They're enemies there. And so the people's response in Numbers 14 is, let's dump Moses, let's get a new committee together, and let them lead us back to Egypt. Egypt always represents, it seems to me in the Scripture, the alternative to the difficult, unknown path that God puts God's people on. So I wanted to say just a few things about Egypt because we'll all run into Egypt in our life. The first thing you need to know about Egypt is Egypt always looks good. So Abram's hungry. Any place other than where there's famine looks good to him, so Egypt looks good to him. The alternative route that you've selected will always look better than the route that God has you on at the time. Second thing is, not only does it look good, but usually Egypt is a known commodity. It's not strange or unfamiliar. Now, granted, Abram had never been to Egypt before this, but believe me, Egypt was the most famous power in, in, in the ancient world, uh, the greatest civilization uh, to date at that point. So even if you'd never been to Egypt, you knew about Egypt we see people all the time wanting to cross into the United States who have never been here, but they know here. They know this must be a place of jobs. They know this must be a good place for their family. They haven't been here, but they know it. Like Egypt was known to Abram. So he went for the known answer. Edward de Bono does a lot of work on uh, creative thinking and uh, innovation, and he says that researchers have known this, that often seriously ill patients... We'll take a known cure from a doctor uh, that's been tried out before and has some degree of success versus a designer cure that's new, hasn't come before, and promises better results. They will take the known lesser cure over the unknown, perhaps greater cure. We tend to prefer the known over the unknown. And you see this in people's lives. People uh, end up incarcerated and, and they learn to live with, uh, in life within jail or prison. And what do they do when they get out? It's unknown to them. They'll immediately commit a crime, go back in where life is known. People are in difficult uh, or even abusive relationships. They know they might be better out, but, but out there is unknown. And this relationship is known. After the early service, a woman gave me a quote that said something like this. A familiar pain is always preferred to an unknown but newfound joy. And that's pretty much the way we operate in life. We we go for the known and we take the known route, but God seems to want to take us on the unknown route. One last characteristic about these detours, about these shortcuts, you can always justify them. You can always reason in your mind at the time while this is a good move to get off this unknown, difficult path for another path that you could walk or take. Abram can say to himself, I'm supposed to be the father of many nations. Now how will that happen if I starve to death? Makes sense. I ought to go where the food is, whether God tells me to go there or not. Now in all honesty, I need to tell you that 50% of scholars disagree with me. 50% of scholars say that Abram is supposed to be in Egypt and that's where God led him. So you need to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, but I think that makes my point that it's perfectly justifiable to get off the route that God's got you on to go toward another route that you can justify. And it seems to me what's not justifiable anyway is giving away your wife as your sister once you get there, but another story we'll get to in a moment. But preferring the known, preferring the good... We justify why it makes sense. Jesus saw this all the time in religious people. One day he was speaking to them in Matthew and he said this. He said, you know, you have a fine way of justifying yourselves. You know the commandment, honor your father and mother, means to take care of your parents in their old age. But money that you would give them that would help them, you say, no, I've dedicated this to God. I can't help my parents. And you justify not helping them. And Jesus said, you you end up violating the scripture, by the way, that you justify this. We can all justify taking the known route, the route we've been down before, the route that looks familiar. Believe me, I've done it a number of times. I thought about one time I did it in particular, and, uh, and, and I could see the difference that it made. The route that God had for me from uh, college on was that I was supposed to uh, come and, and pastor a church. So I went to college and then went off to a seminary at Duke, and, and I enjoyed it. The classes were okay, but they were they were manageable. I could do this. I, I, I knew how to do the school routine, but more than that were the relationships I made. I had lots of uh, good friends. I enjoyed going to the basketball team. We were pretty successful at, at that time. And, and, and I was really my senior year seminary on a roll. I'd won the seminary tennis tournament and the ping pong tournament. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And, and, and so I'm thinking, you know, this school works, I probably need to do more schooling. And it looked, it looked good. Uh, So I applied to another school. They offered me full tuition. It was a reputable school. So that worked. That worked. Rather than go back and face this unknown world of church, I could stay in the known world of academia. Seemed to work. Looked good. It was a reputable institution. Uh, uh, Second thing, it was a known world. I knew how to get by in the world of, of academia. I write the paper out. My wife types it. I turn it in. Piece of cake. I know how to do that. I, I can function in that environment. And so I went. And so I went. But I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to be there. I justified it. I said, well, you know, what what congregation wouldn't want a pastor with more education? It just made sense to me. Uh, but it wasn't a call. And I got there and and what happened to Abram in some ways happened to me. First, I really began to compromise myself. Abram compromised his own integrity by uh, giving away his wife as his sister. I didn't do anything that drastic, but I began to think, I started compromising by saying, gee, you know, maybe I'm not even supposed to be a pastor anyway. maybe I'm supposed to be doing something else as I got further away uh, from church. Second thing is Abram risked his family uh, in, in in this move getting off the path. I did the same thing. I, I picked up my family, which was a wife and two cats, and, and, we, and we moved. Now, fortunately, Pam found a wonderful place at Vanderbilt Hospital and, and loved it and loved what was going on there and what she was learning and what she was able to do. But it wasn't right for me. And so in the long run, when I left, I had to pull her out of an environment with which she had finally gotten comfortable and my family. Just as Abram's family paid. When you get off the path, it's not just about you. It's about everybody with you and everyone who trusts you. But I got off the unknown path. But i got to tell you what happened. I realized pretty soon that it wasn't for me. You know how some people have hours of postgraduate work? I had minutes. I mean, I wasn't there long. And I figured out this wasn't this wasn't for me. And uh, so, uh, unfortunately, when I quit school, I lost my school study job. And so I'm there, I'm just unemployed, doing nothing, wondering what I'm supposed to do. Um, a friend of mine finds out, and he lets some other people know. And, and soon I get a phone call from um, a, a district superintendent, which is above a pastor in the Methodist system. And he said, You know, the most amazing thing happened a couple months ago. A pastor just up and left this church, and we don't have anybody to take over that church. I don't suppose you'd be interested in leaving school and coming and taking that church. Well, I've already left school. Uh, That wasn't hard. So I did. So I did. And God had a place for me. Abram got in over his head. But God came in, intervened, and Abram ends up leaving with more wealth than he came into Egypt with. He not only has food, he's got all sorts of stuff to go with it. God can come in, even when we get off the path, and make something good of it. And I think this is what I learned. We all get off the path from time to time. But sometimes when we get off that path, we think, oh, I've ruined it. I've messed it up. I can never get back on that path again. And that's not the truth at all. The truth, I I think, is simply this. God says, if you'll take one step back toward the unknown path that I have for you, If you'll take one step toward trust in me, I'll take care of the rest. God did it for me. God did it for Abraham. God will do it for you.